y'all about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here along for the ride as well. It's almost the end of February, man. It's like 60 degrees out today. A little preview of spring. I busted out the t-shirt. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Dude, the sun makes a huge difference. It does. It's... It makes it. It does. Now we've got. Now one of the dumbest things we've done in recent years, legislatively, is the new daylight savings. And so, like in a week or two, we're going to go back. We're gonna, because we're going to spring the clocks forward, and so we're going to go back to it being pitch black when you get up again for yes. another few weeks. I hate that. That's my big thing. Like, it's really weird. If the sun is up in the morning, it. I don't. I, I, it doesn't matter how much sleep I got the night before, and I'm typically like Richard Nixon, man. I, I, I'm between five to seven hours a night. I can't really sleep much more than that. I've always been that way. So um, if the sun is out, I'm up no matter how much sleep I got. I'm energetic. When the sun is not out and it's pitch black outside, when I get doesn't matter how much sleep I got, I'm tired, I'm dragging. I hate that new daylight savings time, man. So you'd, you'd rather have more light in the morning, yeah. Then in the afternoon, yes. Yeah, on the other other way. Well, well yeah. actually, I would. I'm, I'd rather have it the way it was all of our lives. Just do it in April. Well, why did they move it up a month? What was the point of that? Do you know what? Because they're government slash God. Thank you. Guess, the, and therefore they don't need a point. Yep. <laughs> but something more inspiring. This day, totally, and now with basketball tournament stuff. This was that in college. That day when you got a beautiful one like this, and you're skipping some classes, and you're watching basketball, but you. then you're also like getting in an hour when the, there's a game that you don't get, and then you're playing up yep. on the pickup court for yep. an hour, yep. and then you go back in. Today is one of those days. Yep. We always had it when I was growing up. Um, you know, basketball was probably my best sport growing up. Well, baseball was, but it it, it was also one of the rare sports that my uh, stepdad liked, and so, um, and I kind of lost touch with it uh, once I got further into high school and football was my favorite but you know I, I just never really had a position it was the one I was the least good at so basketball was the happy medium you know and plus you know you grew up in Michigan basketball is a big part of the culture in that state you know everybody plays so I mean I, I spent tons of time way too much time of my youth playing basketball and we always had an agreement when I was a kid, when I was growing up, that unless the team, if I was on a high school team or a junior high team that had a had a basketball, our season was still going in the middle of March. And a lot of times by that time of the year, you're done unless you're playing for like, you know, state championships or something, right? And so provided I stayed on the honor roll, my mom would call me in sick to work that or school that Thursday and Friday, that first Thursday and Friday of the NSA tournament. And to set that scene, you know, all the games and stuff being on, when we were growing up, we didn't have it the way that they had it, if you remember that. Time. Oh, yeah. So the way the opening two days of the tournament used to work is CBS would have one game, like at 11, they'd yeah. have the game on the West Regional, right. like at 11 o'clock Eastern. 
And if you're in Michigan or Wisconsin, I think you guys are Eastern. Are you guys Eastern time in Wisconsin or no, Central? Central. Okay. So so ten o'clock your time, but eleven o'clock my time. Growing up in Michigan, the rest of those two games, two days, all the games were on ESPN, and there was no ESPN two yet either. So all the games were on ESPN. This is our abacus story, isn't yeah, it? Yes. And so if if the game, if now if your team, you know, um, they they would put your team on one of the local channels, but. All of the other games were NCAA productions, and ESPN had the exclusive rights to that first Thursday and Friday. And so the way it would work is, yeah, they'd spin you, they'd take you to a game if it was close, but it was nothing like they, you didn't have constant scoring updates, split screens. Uh-huh. You didn't have the, the 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 third up at the top of the screen that keep kept you real time updates. You couldn't watch a game on your iPad. There wasn't picture in picture, and so. ESPN, what they would do is all day they'd run games, singular games live, and then overnight yeah. you, they would do the tape delay of all the games that were out of your market. And so you could literally watch the original broadcast of these games all day and all night. And, you know, junior high and high school, Stevie would be sitting there, man, with my shamrock shake. <laughs> <laughs> maybe two or three of them to keep you up all night with your with my shamrock shake like a tub a tubbo Cadbury mini eggs and every time I talk about the Cadbury mini eggs this time of year everybody always thinks I'm talking about those big ones with the yolk in the middle I'm not talking about those I'm talking about the ones the little chocolates in the purple bag I've let you guys try those do those live up to the hype they're good they live up to the hype all right and man, I would just be pounding those. And and then if you got a game that was a blowout, you'd have one blown out of sixteen, and and there's no other close games on. Either your buddies, my buddies, come over to my house because my mom for my thirteenth birthday bought me a breakaway rim for my for our driveway, you know. And so we put that thing my driveway hung on Royal Oak Street in Wyoming, Michigan, hung in about nine and a half feet. So we could come close. Either we could dunk on that or come close enough that it kind of felt like you were playing at the rim, you know? Or, or we'd go play at Troy Van Tynan's house, and that's how we'd pass the time, and we'd, keep, we'd, we'd run in the house to check on the games. You're right. This was our abacus story. I've got, a, I've got some of the best times of my yeah. life around March Madness in this time of year. I, I, I remember when, when Michigan finally won. We had so many teams that were so good when I was a kid that flamed out early. Like, I, I cried when Iowa State, and it's funny because I went on to become an Iowa State fan and, and own an Iowa State magazine and website, but when Johnny Orr, our former coach at Michigan, beat Michigan in the second round at Iowa State that year. Do you remember that year with Hornacek and those guys? And, right. And the, and the opening five minutes of the game, Michigan looked so much bigger, so much stronger. Dick Stockton was calling that game up at the Metrodome for CBS, and I'll what never forget this? this, 86. And he said, quote, this looks like the JV versus the varsity. This is no contest. And Iowa State ended up beating us. I freak. I was in eighth grade. I freaking cried. Is this the year game. before the national championship? 86? Oh, we won the, that was 89. That's 89. So, so several years. But when we finally won the NCAA tournament in 89, I came home from school. I had that game on VCR. I came home from school for like three weeks and watched that game every day for like three weeks after school. It got to the point, it was like a Star Wars movie, where I, I got to know Brent Musburger and Billy Packer's play-by-play call I, verbatim. I totally I watched that. that so many times. You, Of course you can believe it. <laughs> I know. I mean, those were some of the best times I remember as a kid. 
Man, we were my uh, my younger brother was legitimately sick on one of those Thursdays or Fridays. So me and my buddies, it was like we were calling our bookie. We went to the payphone and we're huddled around it, getting scoring updates so we can update yeah. our brackets from my younger brother. It was amazing, and it's it's funny how that this this time of year. And spring training, there are, you know, people, it, it was a Seinfeld episode, like Monday has a feel, Tuesday has a feel, but, you know, this time of year, it almost has a Christmas-esque feel to it about think, things coming to life, the sun, yes. and, 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 and the basketball tournaments. It's like, I mean, that maybe that's, I, I, I'm a kind of a skeptic of this whole Big, big Ten moved up a week thing, but th- just the fact that we're talking about the tournament a week earlier, though, mm-hmm. I, it, that's my jam. Yeah, this time of year, it's like we just came out of a two or three, well, pretty much a two-month, like, night. It, it, mm-hmm. it always feels like that this time of year. It's like, what even happened the last couple of months? And, uh, oh, yeah, this this time, me and my brother Tom, we would uh, we would do our brackets. We were both homeschooled, school, of course. We'd do our brackets when we watched the NCAA So no tournament. money was exchanged, is no, what you're telling us. <laughs> no money was exchanged. <laughs> No, and we did the same thing. We had a basketball court uh, at our house, and you know, if there was a bad game on, we'd go out and we'd shoot uh, hoops or do something like that. I remember back in 2006 when Iowa played Northwestern State. Iowa had just come off winning the Big Ten tournament. They were like a three seed, I yep. think. Lost to I a 14 I was live seed. Live on the air that day. I yes. woke up in the morning and I wasn't feeling great, but I was. It, it was I. I wasn't sick by that point. By the end of that day, especially right after the game, I was literally sick, like with a cold. I was throwing up by the end of the day. I think that had so much emotional impact to me. Welcome to March Madness. It's not the kind of welcome you want. What's the earliest game go- that you remember that doesn't have to do with your team that just kind of signifies what I, mine is? Um, wasn't it Tate George, UConn, Clemson? That shot. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? That's when mm-hmm. I'm in high school. I think that's that's 1990. Eight- that, is when no, that was. That's ninety. Yeah, that's nineteen ninety. I thought and then that the was next, earlier. The next game, Christian Leitner did that to UConn. Oh, in the see, in the regional final. For some reason, that game sticks with me. It's just a pit. But that's what you know. We were. That's re- here's why I remember that. So I remember that tournament very well because one year when I was in high school, my mom got homesick and we left Michigan and moved back to Des Moines. And I went to Lincoln High School here in Des Moines for my junior year. And then my mom came back and was like, you know what? We had it better in Michigan. And we moved right back to the same neighborhood in which I was growing up. And I went and finished at my high school, my senior year. But I spent my junior year at Des Moines Lincoln. And we had, I didn't play any sports that year. And so my mom kept up the same bargain. My, I was on the honor roll. She called me in sick for that first Thursday and Friday of the 1990 NCAA tournament. That was the year Northern Iowa upset Missouri in the first round when, when it was the first time that Northern Iowa had ever made it. And Missouri had Doug Smith and all those NBA guys that Norm Stewart recruited out of Michigan. Uh, and they pulled the big upset. We were watching that game at my buddy's house. Three of the vice principals at Lincoln High School literally stormed into his house and to bust us for truancy. <laughs> Because they assumed that we were skipping school, and my mom was like, no, 
I, I called him in sick. I gave him permission. His grades are really good. I gave him a couple of days to watch basketball. I think that he earned it. But uh, you, you, th- that's you were why the I subject that. of a sting operation. I was. On yes, yes. That's why I remember that. I, 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 even Michigan was not. That? Michigan was not in that tournament, or we were in that tournament. We lost early to Loyola Marymount. We were mm. the defending national champs, and that's when Loyola Marymount had the, the great run. The Hank Gathers yes. after he died. Um, so I remember that tournament very well because. I mean, it was one of the few times I actually got, you know, I was like, I was like running afoul of the law <laughs> growing up. Uh, they can actually sting. come into your home. Oh, they did. They came. My, I, we were all hanging out at my buddy Mark Leo's house, watching you and I beating Missouri. And right after, it was like they, it was like they were waiting. They were watching the game too, because <laughs> like ten minutes after the game ended. Three vice principals busted in to walk. You know, came barreling through Mark Leo's door, trying to bust us for truancy. Wow. Instead of taking you, did they sit down and it was it like that scene from Swingers where you guys just start playing Nintendo together and <laughs> just bros being bros? Uh, it, but, oh, man. but but I I that, see your generation. You have it better, but worse at the same time, Aaron, because you guys don't have any excuses, right? You, you, there's no need to call in sick to work or school. You've got, you can watch the, the, the app on your phone. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, you know, we didn't have any of that. So we had valid excuses to not be productive those two days. But there's no reason why you can't just, anybody listening right now, just go get the NC March Madness app. It's free. All the games are free. You have it up on your iPad or on your, on your phone while you're sitting there at your cubicle or whatever you're doing and then when when there's a key play and there's a the last two minutes you take a quick break you get right back to work you know what i'm saying yeah we had a valid excuse why we had to mail in entire days we didn't have access to that kind of technology then it was beautiful it was those were we those, sh- those were some of the, my best days to do another steve day's show uh, bracket uh, tournament did we do that last couple that's of years? well you know what tomorrow is the one year anniversary of our debut on crtv and oh if, wow. if you guys recall what was our opening thing was we did the 64 greatest yes. conservatives NCAA tournament style and the audience voted on it I'm trying to remember the the final two I, I think were Reagan and Scalia correct do you guys remember who else was in the final four was Buckley in the final four I think Wayne LaPierre made it to the final four did Wayne LaPierre of the NRA dude might, dude might make <laughs> wow. it to the final four if we did it right now with yeah. what's going on <laughs> I know I know he beat Phyllis Schlafly that's right yeah yeah, because what the way it worked is I let as I I determined who the sixty I was the selection committee I named the sixty four and then I seated them and put them in the regions. I let you guys vote on the first round, and then after we got down to thirty two, right. the audience took it from there, and you guys voted Phyllis Schlafly out in the first round, and I just about lost my poop over that yep. as I recall. Correct. Right? In fact, I'm mad again. Now that I, you, I totally forgot. Now I'm mad at you again. I stand by it. If we did another bracket, what should we do? I suggested to you last week the uh, the fake news awards the way they should have been done. We had a little conversation about that, and now I'm not quite so sure because we would have to be ruthless. That's uh, and the, the the grief. And the more I thought about this, yes, the more I'm agreeing with you. The grief to profit ratio has to come into effect. I mean, if we're going to do this the way it should be done, are we going to bust Hannity for Seth Rich, for example? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean. Yeah, the way it should be it's done just, leads to you having no friends going out in a blaze of glory. What should be fun will become isolation for us yes. and total desolation. And Yes, <laughs> and I'm just, sure there's somebody listening right now and said, hey, whatever happened to fear God, tell the truth and make money? I'm telling you the truth right now. Yeah. There's no way I'm making money doing what Aaron <laughs> yeah. suggested. That's what I'm telling you right now. All right? 
Everybody would be like, man, huge, you got some huge stones pulling that off. And then like a week or two later, when we've disappeared from the industry, all the people who thanked us for that moment, none of them are there to help pay our mortgage or remember or ask, hey, whatever happened yep. to those guys? You know what I'm saying? Yep. So I am doing, I am telling you the truth. That may be a little beyond even where I am willing to go. And I think I've pushed envelopes. Many others in our industry have not been willing or capable of pushing. Aaron may have asked me to cross a boundary. Even I was like, eh. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> even, even I, I, I thought it was a great idea at first. But um, if we, yeah, if we did that, we'd have to go to some places that we can't come back from. So... It'll have to be in our fever dreams. So now that we've talked about or we've mentioned our one-year anniversary looming on CRTV, let's give the audience a preview of the show coming up today at CRTV.com. Aaron, what stood out to you? Some actual real news and fake news or not. And it is very revealing about the worldview of our uh, main opponent in the United States right mm. now. Todd. And in watching uh, Aaron's... Uh montage to kick off the show i'm reminded of some sage old advice from bob barker remember to spay and neuter your pets <laughs> <laughs> nice all right if you want to watch today's show at crtv.com if you're not yet a subscriber here's what you need to do go to crtv.com use my name dace as a promo code you'll get a discounted subscription to crtv that doesn't just give you access to our show but all of the other excellent shows and programming we have at crtv as well crtv.com promo code dace Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, it would really help us if you would. The more subscribers we have, the more positive reviews we have at Stitcher and iTunes really does help others to, to, to give us a shot and to grow our audience. And so that's how you guys can help us. And so many of you are doing that already. And we want to thank you for that. And if you haven't yet done so, please consider taking just a couple seconds to do that. We would greatly appreciate it. All right, it is a Pop Culture Tuesday. And since I'm already mad at you guys again for reminding me how you voted Phyllis Schlafly out in the first round last year, let's have the Star Wars conversation again, all right? Which Todd and I just frankly are almost incapable of having in a civil manner. It's recalling when we did the initial The Last Jedi conversation, Todd said something about how he feels about Star Wars, and then he said, and Steve thinks he's found the Dead Sea Scrolls. That was one of my favorite moments from this year. <laughs> the point I was making with that exercise is when you tap into generic story tropes that speak to the human condition and cross numerous different traditions, you can read lots of anything into it that you want. That's why these movies make a billion dollars every time they're made, because they're tapping in to themes that have general approval within humankind. So you're just attempting to co-opt it to yeah. tell your story. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. You bet. Sure. Um I mean if if they if the progressives want to claim that Jesus uh the gospels are a rip off of Gilgamesh, then I'm going to claim that Star Wars is a rip off of the gospels. I like that. Fair enough. Else? Fair right. enough. So um it's not, by the way. Maybe we'll tackle that in a future Theology Thursday, but that notwithstanding. Um, something else that's different from when we were kids, not just March Madness, but movie novelizations. When we were growing up, we had to, we had to sometimes avoid the movie novelizations because they'd come out either right before the movie did 
or they'd and and they would spoil the movie, right? I, I remember one of the few things my stepdad Dave and I really bonded over growing up is his love of sci-fi. That's how I got to love Star Trek and Star Wars. And we argued for three years over whether Darth Vader really was Luke Skywalker's father or not. And he was convinced it was true. And I just, I, I did not want to accept it was true. And I, I remember growing, I was, we were living in Orlando, Florida when Return of the Jedi came out. I was in the third grade. And I, I remember, maybe it was the fourth grade, fourth grade. I remember when the story booklet and the novelization came out. Remember the story booklets and stuff they used to sell? For big time movies, that had like the glossy pictures and stuff from the from the from the I movie. I think in there. so, okay. yeah. And I remember one of my buddies bought it. I had not yet the movie had not yet come out. It was coming out like in a week or two, because uh, you know Star Wars movies always came out in May when we were kids, and so it was towards the end of the school year. And my buddy's like, "You don't want to spoil the movie," and I'm like, "I I need to I need to know if I'm right about this." And when I went ahead and found out that it was indeed true that Vader was Luke's father, I was crushed that Dave was right, that I was wrong, okay? Well, the way they're kind of doing it nowadays is a lot of times these novelizations are coming out after the movie to avoid spoilers and things of that nature, particularly because with fanboy websites and leaks and everything else, studios are trying to get all militant about locking down Storylines to avoid ruining it for the audience once the movie comes out. So the novelization for The Last Jedi is just now coming out. A full three months, almost three months since the movie was released. Well, two and a half months. There have been some interesting revelations about backstory that have been, that have been uh, discovered so far in the novelization of The Last Jedi. And... I wanted to share each of these with you guys and just get your immediate reaction to them and whether you thought they added or detracted from the story that Ryan Johnson was trying to tell. Okay? Okay. All right. The first one is, you know how, do you guys watch any of the Star Wars cartoon shows? I have not. All right. Like no. Rebels or Clone Wars? Oh, I would. Clone Wars, the last two seasons, if you get it on Netflix, is great. Um, Star Wars Rebels has been good from the very beginning. And these shows are canon, and they do a great job of adding in a lot of the backstory. All right, so the the premise of Star Wars Rebels is this is the dawn of the rebellion. There's even one episode where we see a young Obi Wan Kenobi guarding the the baby Luke Skywalker on Tatooine, for example. It's really a well done show, and um, after the original Star Wars movies. When I was in high school, then college, um, some Lucas finally granted Timothy Zahn the rights to write the sto- the first official canon stories of what happened after Star Wars. Remember those Heir to the Empire and all those books? I read were, the first one. They were huge New York Times bestsellers. I mean, they sold millions of copies. And in those, and and two characters are introduced in that series. One, the main villain, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Well, obviously, now that they're making these movies, all of that stuff has all been wiped out. It's like it never happened. Disney says none of that's canon anymore because they're telling the story of what happened after Return of the Jedi. So 
what Star Wars Rebels does is it brings Grand, it reintroduces Grand Admiral Thrawn as essentially a rival of Darth Vader's within the Emperor's court at this point in time, at the dawn of the Empire, and he is one of the main villains attempting to squash at the direction of Grand Moff Tarkin. He's attempting to squash this new rebellion. And so they, they, they recognized that people loved Thrawn as a villain in the books, so they, they brought him back, and, and they re- retconned him to be a part of the new universe. This novelization does the same thing with Mara Jade. <coughs> And Mara Jade starts out as kind of, if I remember right, the smuggler, scoundrel type, like a female Han Solo. She ends up becoming the wife of Luke Skywalker. And she is, and, and there is a reference in this novelization to Luke remembering his wife. And, and since the full novelization is not out yet, it is suspected that what they're going to do, just as Star Wars Rebels retconned Admiral Thrawn, they're going to retcon Mara Jade in Luke's backstory and say that, yes, indeed, he once did have a wife. And that's what this is a beginning reference to. You guys' thoughts on that? Uh, Nothing can redeem the fact that uh, Luke was such a powerful Jedi that in a moment of weakness, he almost killed Kylo Ren. So there's that. Um, I don't... So where does that fit? I don't know. Um, It does... It does nothing for me. Aaron? Same. Nothing I, burger for you? Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, how about we rank these developments? Well, nothing burger. Um, that makes sense now. That made it worse. How about... How about that sounds good. You like that? Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're going with nothing burger. That made sense now. That makes sense now, or that makes it even worse. We're good? So we have a nothing All right, so you burger. guys are a nothing burger on the Luke Mara Jade. Correct. Backstory. Okay. Kylo Ren is in love with Rey. Well, you could... That's what they were... That's another novelization. That revelation. was pretty obvious that there was some sort of tension along those lines at play so that ma- that makes sense yeah so which of those three is it for you but, well what it that oh, well, that it, make that that makes more that helps make it more sense that you're with that one yeah i think so and that, i think so that, again there's nothing burger that makes more sense now or that makes it worse yeah and that could that could be a compelling storyline in the the final movie aaron uh, that makes it better because there's actually something at uh, at stake with that. That there's there's some implication um, that will have to be drawn from that if that is indeed true, which it sounds like it is. So that that could have implications down the road in the next movie. Now, of course, maybe the biggest controversy of the entire film is the handling of Snoke. The idea that he's killed off before we get any real revelations of where this villain came from, and there's been a lot of speculation that we will get ensuing books. Stand, a standalone movie that'll feature more of his backstory somewhere along the lines. The novelization of Return of the Jedi adds a little bit more, but not much. Uh, it says that um, he has, quote, unprecedented abilities by learning of hidden force powers in the unknown regions, unquote. And that he also wanted Rey to become his new apprentice in place of Kylo Ren. Todd. Nothing burger. Uh, that that 
does not put even close to enough meat on the bone on one of the things you had before the movie came out you had five planks the things that must happen mm-hmm. and one of them was around this and this does nothing to advance it aaron yeah this is a nothing burger for for right now it's too vague and ambiguous just like snoke himself at the moment i could see i could see his character coming back somehow i mean if if he's this powerful if he's this one with the force maybe that uh, is he really dead maybe he'll come back in another maybe he's just hiding like lord voldemort i don't, I don't know Ryan Johnson, the director, has said the reason why the, the, the cut-in-half body or the dead body of Snoke labors so long in the aftermath of that scene is he wanted the audience to be patently aware of the fact he is dead and not coming back. Yeah. All right. Yeah. On the other hand, he, has, he, he also has said he left Ray's origin open to the possibility that this is not what J.J. Uh, Abrams originally envisioned with her and more could be added later on. Hmm. All right? Meaning that Kylo Ren told her the truth, but as Obi-Wan used to say, from a certain point of view, meaning there's a few things left out. Like when Obi-Wan told Luke originally that his father, Anakin Skywalker, was destroyed by Darth Vader. That's te- that is there some truth to that? Mm-hmm. Is it, though, the truth? Right? And so Ryan Johnson has suggested also that J.J. Abrams, he left it intentionally vague so Abrams could do more with her backstory but that while more perhaps more interesting it's it seems like that doesn't in any way fit with what they're showing us at the end of the last jedi when you know just the average stable boy shows force power i mean the whole point is elevating nobodies Mm -hmm. i think that they're going to stick with that mm -hmm. and you know originally we thought luke was a nobody right I mean, we didn't find out he was a somebody for a couple more, for a couple, that there was a legacy there, a lineage there. We thought he was just a guy, you know, on a deserted planet. Uh, Not a deserted planet, but, you know, Mm -hmm. a guy that was, that, you know, essentially belonged to, you know, (laughs) moisture farmers on a, on an outpost planet. Uh, Next revelation. Luke hears a familiar voice just before he dies that gives him the encouragement to truly project the rest of his power into the force in order to force project that far to confront Kylo Ren. And it's the voice of Ben Kenobi. What's that mean to you? Uh, yeah, that's pretty obvious, though. That's that's about what you'd expect. And when we were talking, actually, when beforehand, when we were talking about force ghosts, I think we were talking about Ben being in the movie more than we ever talked about Yoda um, and I think good grief I wish it was Ben Kenobi instead of that awful awful yeah, I, appearance by Yoda I have a totally Yoda. different read on that scene than you do but it's we've had that argument a million times so okay it would have been cool to see um, um, who's Obi-Wan um, oh and not, Ewan McGregor Ewan McGregor yeah, yeah. that would have been cool Aaron? Uh, nothing burger for me all right. The novelization says that remember Kylo says to to Ray when he is she he they essentially are connecting via the force yeah, across that the was galaxy cool. and he says hey there's no way you could do this it would kill you. Yeah. The novelization says Luke knew that he was sacrificing his life putting this much of his himself into the force to project himself like this across the galaxy. 
He he. So this that he want that uh, that essentially when Ray flies away because Luke refuses mm-hmm. to join the fight, and then he has the 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 the, the conversation with Yoda that essentially he is now reinvigorated and doesn't believe there's time for him to get to where they are and so uh, instead decides he will he will give up his life by force projecting and using every ounce of his power in order to project himself that far away that's what the novelization says he knowingly did this well that makes sense uh and it's also what i inferred was the case anyways and all my complaints about the movie aside uh that within a vacuum i found incredibly uh compelling i mean from with the exception of him talking with leia which they it, it should have been so much more and i just don't think carrie fisher was up for any of this but yeah uh, absolutely very compelling aaron uh yeah and like todd said i thought that was inferred in the movie it's good to know that that's been confirmed now um but this you'd put this in makes more sense yeah makes more sense all right here's one more you mentioned leia the novelization apparently hints at how they're going to deal with carrie fisher's death so you have that scene uh, which people have derided. I love the scene. I think it's a beautiful scene. Which the, where she, the, where she essentially Mary Poppins herself through the force that. when she's sent out yeah. into the void of space. All right. The novelization says that while she was able to use her force powers to survive that incident, um, she it, it still made her um, exposed to solar radiation and hypoxia. And that those are lethal afflictions that she came away from that experience with as side effects, essentially. And so the the notion is that the the novelization is trying to retcon how they will set up in the future the fact that she's pa- Carrie Fisher has passed away. This makes it worse. Yes. This makes it Absolutely. worse. So she survived a freaking direct hit from her son. But she's going to be done in by some solar radiation. Okay. Okay. And there's just no, there's no drama to that. I mean, the the whole, that that does not advance a plot anywhere. It should be some sort of assassination at the beginning. I mean, that's looking back on it. That's what it should have been at the very beginning of the first movie. Uh, Carrie Fisher should have been introduced and been gone in the first 15 minutes, and it would have been incredibly powerful, and it just would have made everything better moving forward. I'm just, I can't, who is writing these movies, Steve? (laughs) I know. I would hate to be J.J. Um, Abrams. What was Ryan Johnson doing? I mean, um, seriously, he didn't set up anything for the future. Even if, actually, even if he would have made that movie and just left it at the point where Ray and um, what's his face, the emo kid, were locked. Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren were locked in battle and just left that scene there and then ended the movie like five minutes later. Uh, that would have been okay. There was something to work with there. There was some tension that needed to be resolved, but I, I agree with you guys on this, and I think I said at the time they should have the heroic ending 
when they came up with the heroic ending for uh, what's her face's character, um, the actress from uh, Jurassic oh, Laura Park, Dern, Laura Dern's character, when they came up with the heroic ending for her, they should have said, you know what, if if the plan here is to give each of the three, Luke, Leia, and Han, a, a send off movie, what could we possibly concoct? for Leia better than this. Mm-hmm. Okay? They should have had the they should have realized when they came up with that right there, that's got to be Leia in that ship. That's got to be her send-off. And if they had done that, we wouldn't be in any of these situations at all. So I agree it's a terrible idea, but I I'm sympathetic to their plight as a writer myself because of Carrie Fisher's death. I'm reminded of what Winston Churchill once said about democracy. It's a terrible form of government except for all the others. Except for all the rest of okay, them, Okay, yes. so uh, it's a terrible idea. I don't know what would be a good idea. What would be a good idea because of the predicament they're in? They were never going to come up with a better idea than what Laura Dern's character does in the film. That's one of the great scenes in the movie. And, this, and when the void of space goes silent at the, at the, at the, at the massive consequence of that impact it is beautifully shot that should have been laying in that cockpit what 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 when they wrote the film would they think boy I, you know I'm, I'm guessing we'll come up with something better than that for Leia they, you would not now, you could not Leia's come up not, with something better than that now Carrie Fisher is gone and what right and then we're left with we're left with you know she died in between episodes and so she doesn't really get any kind of a send-off I, they should have put Leia in that chair if they had done that and realized at the time, you'll sometimes being a good writer is recognizing not just when you've been beaten, but when you cannot do better than what you just came up with. One of the reasons why, even though I had my literary agent and others, when you do a book that sells, and that wasn't a New York Times bestseller by any stretch, but the last book I wrote sold about sold more than, uh, let's just say several thousand copies, and it got signed to a movie deal. When that happens, the people that worked with you on that book, what do they want you to do pretty quickly right after that? Write another Write book. another book. Capitalize on the momentum you have. Okay? Why did I sit around for two years and not write one? I couldn't come up with an idea that I thought would be better than that. I'm not going to write one just to write one. Now, if, if I was getting paid the kind of money some of the other people in our conservative media have much bigger platforms than I do are getting paid to write books, you'll write one to write one. And you'll still still be pretty good, but I'm not making that kind of money yet. So I'm still in the, uh, it's really about the music phase of the behind the music documentary here. <laughs> right? I'm, not, I'm not commercial enough yet to think, yeah, I've got a three book deal and they gave me a 250 GUR advance. So got to crank one of these puppies out. All right. So I had the luxury of, you know, I, 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 I don't think I can come up with something that is worthy of how good I think Nefarious is. Now, I got an inspiration for an idea in the last few weeks. I'm cranking it out. I'm I'm 11,000 words in. I think it's worthy of how good I think Nefarious is, what I've written so far. But I didn't really have anything for a couple of years that I was just going to write a book to write a book. Get my name out there. So sometimes being a good writer is knowing when you've been beaten and then knowing when you can't do better than that. J.J. Abrams isn't a victim here. This is all his fault. Yes. 
And the reason why it's all his fault and what Ryan Johnson did and everything else is because he admitted when they made The Force Awakens that when him and Larry Kasdan, who uh, wrote The Empire Strikes Back and, and consulted on the screenplay for Return of the Jedi, when he and Larry Kasdan wrote The Force Awakens, they did not write a trilogy backstory. But remember, they didn't even start out as the writers. They had to come right. in and fix because some guy died, right. which is like how are, this they, is I the mean, Han you, Solo you, story. If, yes, if you write, if you've, if you've got the, the special edition DVD with all the special features of The Force Awakens and you watch all of the special features, you see J.J. Abrams and Larry Kasdan on the set while they're filming the movie, writing the script, guys. They're, this, they're painting by numbers. They're making it up as they go along. How? That's, Abrams was saying in an interview last week, I mean, I know we were talking about what he said. If you don't like Force Awakens, then you just don't like strong women, right? Because there's no other reason to complain about it. Listen, I love The Force Awakens. I think it's a masterpiece. But I can see why I see why some of you have the complaints that you have. Oh, you mean okay. The Last Jedi? Oh, the Last Jedi, yeah. I'm sorry, yes. Uh, I don't agree with your analysis of the Yoda scene, but this may be more of a Catholic Protestant thing. You may be seeing this as a burn it all down. I may be seeing it through the lens of that kind of sounds like a reformation to me. Uh, or it could, we could both be wrong or both be right. What I don't get is the, is the Federalist writing that Luke wasn't a hero. Uh, he gives up his life to save everybody at the end. What's more heroic yeah, than that? You dumb. may not have liked the way they made him a hero, but there's no doubt he's the hero of the movie. The, the whole rebellion, everything's done. They're all dead. If not for Luke Skywalker, that's by the very definition, a hero. Um, but there's other reasons to be critical of the film other than you just don't like strong women. The reason why I'm not angry that they never developed Snoke's backstory is because if it turns out he's not the villain, then we don't really, I guess we don't really need to know the backstory if, the, if it's not really about him. Although I'd like to know more because I just am fascinated by him as a character. Um, but Abrams also in that same interview mentioned this is one of the few times in his career he is going to make they start filming episode nine in july right that they go to they're going to set with the script totally and completely done i mean now there's always alterations you get on set you try some things yeah. it doesn't work but i mean they were literally making up this story and they all and changing the story him and Tasden were on the set of the force awakens which gave Ryan Johnson freedom to essentially do his own movie. What you needed to have is somebody like what Marvel has had with Kevin Feige from the very beginning. Here's our overall story arc. All right? And, and then you go to your individual filmmakers, and they've had huge name directors. John Favreau, Kenneth Branagh. Branagh they've had huge name directors doing Marvel movies. And they've said, hey, here are the boundaries. Within those boundaries... As long as, you, or as long as you don't exceed that boundary, do whatever you want. But no, you can't retcon Thor, and Loki can't be a misunderstood emo kid that we have sim- You know what I'm saying? And when, they've, when they, ha- they have allowed that at times, and it blew up in their face like what they let Shane Black do with Iron Man 3, and the, and the controversy over the Mandarin, there was so much blowback at Marvel for what they did to one of their classic villains that they ended up retconning that too. They put out a short movie about a year later that showed the real Mandarin actually is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and he's really pissed off at Ben Kingsley's character for making a mockery out of him like that. And that was kind of an homage, (laughs) tip of the cap to fans who were like, why do you let him do this to this character? But they had no overarching storyline. None. Which is considering once they hired J.J. Abrams, I was like, perfect. 
because, because I couldn't he's the guy envision that lost, yes, alien, not I mean, having an overarching story, Easter story. eggs. You would think you would think the issue of J.J. Abrams running the show too much backstory. Right. He he would we just start pondering the lint in our navels and following rabbit trails, right? right? That's I, not what happened I at all. I can't believe actually. it. I still can't believe it. This is happening. All right, final thoughts before we close this out, Aaron. I I still I mean. It's going to be Star Wars, so I'm going to watch it. I, I just don't know what's what's left really to resolve. There are no question marks. I mean, maybe how things are going to. I mean, obviously how things are going to go down, but you know the the how the how the end is going to shape up. I don't see what twists and turns can come in this next upcoming that the final of this trilogy that that's really going to shake things up. Um. In a, in a way that people will appreciate it, everything from here, I think there's no way that it's not going to be contrived. Todd, my love hate relationship with uh, this movie Enterprise is just fulfilled again today. Uh, love talking Star Wars. It's more frustrating to talk about Star Wars than I ever thought possible. When does Han Solo come out, Steve? Uh, May Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, so that's yeah. right around the corner. And it's not looking good, folks. Just uh, another story. That's uh, yeah. This just thing. This thing is looks like it's going to be. I'm speaking of nothing burgers. Ouch. Um, hope I'm wrong about that. Desperately want to be wrong, but um, I don't. I don't. All I will caution is all the same things were said about Rogue One, and many people consider it to be. It's great. One of the Rogue best One. films of the entire Star Wars cinematic universe. Rogue One is great, and it actually gets better to me with Agreed. With every viewing. Love that movie. I, the other night, you know, what I used to do when I was a kid with The Natural is I used to just re one of my all-time favorite movies. I just used to rewind and watch the scene where he breaks the clock at Ta-da. Wrigley and the scene where he, where he hits the game-winning home yeah, run yeah. at the end where he crashes the lights. I just love those scenes and watch them over and over again. The other day, I don't think I told you guys this, actually. The other day, I was kind of bored. And I just went and found Rogue One on Netflix. I must have watched that. I just went right, skipped right to the Vader scene. I must have watched that like five times. That's such a good scene. That is so well done. So well done. And that, I, I, that had the power. I, I still remember what it felt like to see it the first mm-hmm. time and you're just Oh, and you can't. Well, we're not on camera right now, but you know, you had that little boy moment, and I, because I, I remember having the similar when, when they're in um, Cloud City, and Han Solo and Lando are just sitting and talking, and the door opens, and Vader, yeah, Han Solo pulls out the blaster, Vader pulls the gun out of his hand. I still remember that. That was more powerful to me, honestly, than I think finding out uh, that when Darth Vader said, "I am your father," jo- we it, would love it, it if and, you would join oh, us. Oh, it was so and, and Chewie in the background and the roar he puts mm-hmm. in as the exclamation point on things. Loved it, Aaron. Did uh, I already, already, did I, yeah. already give you your friend mm-hmm. thoughts? Yeah. So they must have been that. <laughs> have you shared? The, uh, uh, should we, are Aaron's final thoughts a nothing burger? Can we just say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your name again? <laughs> you work here? Yeah. Steve at com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, may the force be with you, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.